The Orioles won again on Monday night, a huge win over the Blue Jays in the wildcard standings. But even with them playing well, is this the right time to add some of their top prospects? We'll talk it through coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, August 9th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we will first take a look and recap the Orioles' victory on Monday night, beating the Toronto Blue Jays 7-4 in Game 1 of a three-game series and inching closer and closer to being in playoff position in the American League. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that Orioles victory. Then we'll take a look at two of the Orioles' top prospects, Gunnar Henderson and Kyle Stowers. Both are raking in AAA, and both would fill definite holes on this Orioles Major League roster. So we'll pose the question, is it time to call those two up from AAA. Then we'll get to some Orioles news and notes from Monday with a former highly ranked prospect being DFA'd and the Orioles swapping out relievers in the back part of their bullpen. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be. If you could leave a five-star rating and a review on those apps, it really helps out the pod. And of course, we're on YouTube right here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. If you're watching, make sure to hit that red subscribe button, like, and comment on the videos. And again, remember, even if you are not a subscriber on YouTube, even if you don't watch on YouTube, you're just an audio listener. We love that. Thank you so much. But you're going to want to head over to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page and still hit that red subscribe button because we are just shy of 900 subscribers at the moment on YouTube. When we get to 1,000 subscribers on the Locked On Orioles YouTube page, we're going to be doing a giveaway here on the podcast, and you have to be subscribed to YouTube to be a part of an exciting giveaway. So make sure you hit that red subscribe button. We'll get more details moving forward. But again, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, let's start with an Orioles victory. Orioles 7, Blue Jays 4 in game one of a three-game series at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Monday night. And a nice-looking win for the Orioles. They take game one of this series as they get to 57 and 52 on the season with the win. And the O's inch a little closer to the Blue Jays. Just three games behind Toronto now. Of course, they still have Tampa and Seattle between them. But, you know, as I'm recording this, the Yankees-Mariners game just about to go. If, you know, the Yankees do win, now when you're listening to this, that game will be final. But if it was a Yankees win, Orioles are back to just one game back of a playoff spot. At worst, they'd be two games back with a Seattle win. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 7-4 victory over the Toronto Blue Jays. And the first thing you need to know is that the Birdland Power Company was back in action on Monday night at the yard. The Orioles hit four home runs in their 7-4 victory. And it all started in the first inning. Orioles got a couple of runners on base. 
And then Ramon Arias takes advantage with a two-out, three-run homer off of Blue Jays starter Yusei Kikuchi. And the O's jumped on top quickly with a 3-0 lead in the bottom of the first inning. It was a blast out the center field from Arias. 102 off the bat, traveled 399 feet for the home run. A big swing from the Orioles, but they were not done because then you fast forward to the third inning. It was at that point for the Orioles a 3-1 game, and they continue to add on. First, Anthony Santander from the right side crushes one into the bullpen in left center field. 107 off the bat, 415 feet for his 20th home run of the season, still leading the Orioles' first Oriole to hit 20 homers on the year. And then he goes back-to-back with Ryan Mountcastle, who hits one 109.1 off the bat, 426 feet, just crushed it off Kikuchi over the new wall in left field. The Orioles have gone back-to-back nine times this year. Ryan Mountcastle hasn't been involved six of those nine times. So if there's a back-to-back happening, it's usually involving Ryan Mountcastle. But they weren't done. They got one more home run in this game, and it was Austin Hayes in the sixth inning, returning to the lineup with a homer, hit one 107.1 miles per hour off the bat in the sixth inning for a solo shot, 426 feet. He again easily cleared Mount Baltimore in left field. That made it a 6-2 game at the time of the Hayes homer. For the Orioles, their first game with four-plus home runs since June 27th when they hit five home runs in a 9-2 victory in Seattle over the Mariners. And just the fifth game this season in which the Orioles have hit four or more homers. Power's obviously been a little down for the Orioles. A lot has to do with the new ballpark dimensions, but also just not hitting for as much power here in 2022. But certainly nice to see them hit the ball out of the ballpark on Monday night. Second thing you need to know from this one is that probably the most important home run in terms of just getting somebody going of those four was the Ryan Mountcastle blast that ended the back-to-back in the third inning because Ryan Mountcastle has been struggling mightily at the plate for the Orioles. Coming into Monday's game, Mountcastle, since the All-Star break, had pretty much been in one of the worst slumps of his career. Just hitting 138 for a five, that's right, five, WRC plus since the All-Star break. That's terrible. And even before the All-Star break, he was hitting a little bit, but he had been in the biggest power slump of his career. The home run for Mount Castle, which was his 13th of the season on Monday night, was his first home run since July 3rd in Minnesota. Over a month he goes without a homer. It was 113 plate appearances in between home runs for Ryan Mountcastle. That was tough to watch. You know, the guy you think of as the best power hitter in this Orioles lineup go that long without a home run. Huge to see him hit one out. And, of course, you know, it wasn't his only hit. He went two for three with a home run, the two RBIs. Had a big RBI single for an insurance run in the eighth. Also drew a walk in this game. Did not strike out. One of the best offensive days in a while for Ryan Mountcastle. And what do you know, it comes against the Blue Jays. You know, just the fifth game for the Orioles against Toronto this year. And the Orioles have 14 more against the Blue Jays. And watch out for Ryan Mountcastle because he now has a career 1131 OPS against the Toronto Blue Jays, which is just a ridiculous number for your career against a division opponent. And he continues to make the Blue Jays pay. Third thing you need to know from this one is... It was big for another one of the Orioles' home run hitters. That is Austin Hayes because he finally returned to the lineup on Monday night. Played left field, hitting sixth, 
after missing five games for the Orioles, had not played since last Tuesday in Texas because of some side-slash-oblique discomfort. But we had heard that he had thrown, he had run, he had hit the ball before Sunday's game, was feeling good, and you felt like that was an indicator that he was probably going to be back in the lineup Monday. Well, he was, and he delivered a two-for-four for Austin Hayes, including that solo home run in the sixth, also had a single and a strikeout in this game. Was big to get that production back in the lineup, you know, we were seeing a lot of Brett Phillips in the lineup over the weekend with Hayes out, but he's back in. He gets the home run after missing five games, and the Orioles obviously love having him back in the lineup. Fourth thing we need to know from this one is that Jordan Lyles just ate some innings again for the Orioles. Now, he was a little upset to not get a quality start as he walked a batter with two outs in the sixth and got removed, could not finish six innings, but Jordan Lyles did what Jordan Lyles is paid to do, and it wasn't super pretty, but he made it work against the Blue Jays on Monday night. Lyles' final line, two runs on eight hits over five and two-thirds innings of work, just one strikeout to two walks and two homers allowed. He threw 103 pitches in the start, lowered his ERA to 4.35. Now, the Blue Jays, they squared him up a little bit. I mean, he allowed 10 hard-hit balls in five and two-thirds innings. He'd allowed eight hits. He only struck out one batter. Jordan Lyles had allowed only one home run at home all season coming into Monday night's game, and he allowed two solo homers, one by Kevin Biggio in the third and one by Matt Chapman in the sixth in this game. But he still gave the Orioles a chance to win. He wasn't getting the swing and misses. Remember in his last great start, he had 17 whiffs. He only had four whiffs on 50 swings by Blue Jays batters. That is a bad number. Two on the four-seamer, one on the sinker, one on the curveball. Really nothing of his arsenal was working that well, and it didn't matter. The Blue Jays hit it hard. They hit it right at fielders. Lyles was gritty, got through five and two-thirds, got himself out of there with the Orioles in the lead. And sometimes that's all you can ask from Jordan Lyles, and he did his job on Monday night. And then the fifth and final thing you need to know from this 7-4 Orioles win over the Blue Jays is that, you know, once again, the Oriole bullpen was just a little shaky down the stretch in this one. When Lyles left the game in the sixth inning, it was a 5-2 lead. O's made it 6-2 with the Hayes homer in that bottom of the sixth inning. And Dylan Tate was dominant. You know, CNL Perez comes in. He gets a strikeout to end the sixth. Dylan Tate with a really good-looking 1-2-3-7. The Orioles are leading 6-2. You feel like all is good. Tate gets the first out of the eighth. And then back-to-back hard-hit singles. He leaves the game. Joey Crable comes in, allows an RBI single, a sack fly, and then a walk. And all of a sudden, it's a 6-4 game with two on and two out. And Felix Bautista has to come in in the eighth inning. Now, he gets a ground out on one pitch. The Orioles add to it to make it 7-4. But then, you know, the error by Mateo. And then Bautista gives up the single. And all of a sudden, it's first and second. Nobody out in the ninth. Blue Jays have the tying run at the plate in Teoscar Hernandez. And Bautista bears down, strikes out Hernandez, gets Bichette to ground into a 4-6-3 double play to end the game and get his fifth save. But just a little shakiness from Tate, Crable, and Bautista down the stretch. And, you know, we saw a little shakiness from Bautista on Friday. We saw a little shakiness from the Oriole bullpen back on Wednesday. But the Orioles won all three of those games, just still kind of fully finding those new bullpen roles with, of course, Jorge Lopez out after being traded to the Twins. But it's an Orioles win. They win it 7-4 to four in this one, and uh, they keep on rolling as the games really, really start to get important here with this first game against the Blue Jays. But another thing we saw in Monday night's game is that Tyler Nevin got the start. You know, he hasn't been playing too, too much lately. Got the start at third, went 0-2 with a strikeout, 
and then was pulled from the game in the fifth inning as Rugnet Odor replaced him and went to second base. Ramon Arias moved over to third. It was interesting to see that move made because it wasn't a pinch hitter. It was just a defensive replacement in the fifth inning of a 5-1 to one ball game. And it answers the question, how much longer is Tyler Nevin on this team? And, and more importantly, who would replace him? Could it be a guy like Gunnar Henderson? And coming up, we're going to take a look at Gunnar Henderson and Kyle Stowers because both seem to have mastered AAA. Both are top 10 Orioles prospects, and both could certainly help this Orioles team down the stretch. So coming up, we'll talk about should this be the time that the Orioles call up two of their top prospects? But first, got to tell you about Built Bar, the most delicious protein bar out there on the market today. And for Built Bar, you, you know about Built Bars. We've talked about it enough on this podcast. Great tasting protein bars, so many different flavors. You imagine a flavor, it's basically there at Built Bar, covered in 100% real chocolate. But if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Well, if you're asking what a Built Bar Puff is, it is a protein-infused marshmallow covered in chocolate. First of its kind. And the cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, again, that chocolatey goodness on the outside. And the puffs, they're only 160 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So it's a delicious snack and it's good for you as well, just like those original Built Bars. So to get your hands on all of those Built products, go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So the Orioles take down the Blue Jays 7-4 on Monday night in Game 1 of a crucial three-game series at the yard against Toronto. But for the Orioles, you know, their offense woke up a little bit with the seven runs, the four homers on Monday after kind of a quiet offensive weekend against the Pirates, despite the fact that they still did win that series against Pittsburgh. But, you know, many have been talking about in Birdland the offensive reinforcements the Orioles have at AAA, and specifically two guys who continue to rake, Kyle Stowers, and Gunnar Henderson, because the Orioles could certainly use another left-handed power bat, and they could certainly use another infielder, and Stowers and Henderson really fit that mold to a T. I mean, you look at Kyle Stowers, 86 games, 367 plate appearances in AAA this year, a 267 average, a 358 on base, a 540 slugging. I mean, he's got 18 homers. He's got a 134 WRC+. Plus. I mean, he had almost 100 plate appearances in AAA last year. He's approaching, he's just shy of 500 career plate appearances at the AAA level with the Tides. He's mastered AAA. It's time to come to the big leagues. And for Stowers, you know, if you're worried about, oh, can he not hit lefties? He's got a 345 average with a 1033 OPS against lefties in AAA this year. He's actually been much better against lefties than righties, where, you know, he's just hitting 234 with an 834 OPS Against righties, he's, he's 24 years old, you know, former second rounder in 2019, continues to hit for power, co-minor league player of the year with Adley Rutschman last year, has followed it up with another great year in AAA this year. Stowers is ready to go. And, you know, I would probably say he will come up before Gunnar Henderson, but Gunnar Henderson is ready to go too. You know, he started the year in AA, 47 games. Now it's been 46 games in AAA, and in just over 200 plate appearances, he's hitting... 297 with a 405 on base, a 541 slugging percentage. That's a 151 WRC plus in AAA for Henderson. Nine homers. And listen, I get it. You know, he's only 21 years old. And I get it. You know, he's 
He's hitting 219 with a 702 OPS against lefties, so a little bit of struggles against lefties. Also hitting 339 with an 1100 OPS against righties. And you may argue that his defense isn't gold glove level yet. Okay, at, at shortstop or third base, wherever he plays. But Baseball America just put out its new top 100 prospect ranking on Monday. And Gunnar Henderson is Baseball America's new number one overall prospect in baseball. Adley Rutschman graduates, and the Orioles just put Gunnar Henderson right in that slot. Yeah, he might be 21, but Manny Machado was 20 when he came up. And we are actually at the 10-year anniversary of the day Manny Machado was called up to the Orioles. Remember, he tripled for his first hit. They actually did lose to the Royals that night, but... Manny Machado wasn't a huge contributor offensively. You know, he was hitting 7th, 8th, or ninth for most of the season. But he was elite defensively at 3rd, filled a huge gaping hole the Orioles had at 3rd base for all of that 2012 season, and helped them get to the postseason. So why can't the Orioles do the same thing with a 21-year-old Gunnar Henderson 10 years later in kind of the same spot with a very similar 2022 Orioles team as it was to that magical 2012 team with this team being so close to the playoffs? You call up Gunnar Henderson... You play him at either third base, little shortstop, you DH him some, you get him in the lineup whenever you can, maybe you sit him against some lefties here and there, but overall you play him most days. You get this bat in the lineup. I get that Gunnar Henderson may go through some rookie struggles when he comes up. Adley Rutschman struggled when he first came up earlier this year in June. But you get those cobwebs off the first couple of weeks he comes up, he's ready for a full go in September when the Orioles in a playoff push. He is better to have in your lineup than Rugnet Odor or Tyler Nevin. It's plain and simple. Tyler Nevin has a 72 WRC+. plus. He got pulled from the game Monday. I'd option him to AAA and have Henderson take his spot. Rugnet Odor, also a 72 WRC+, plus this season, including a 13 WRC+, plus since the All-Star break. He's been awful in the second half so far, Odor has. And Rugnet Odor actually has been a little better against lefties than righties this year, so you could still keep him on the bench. And maybe if there is a lefty, you play Odor over Henderson from time to time. But it's a pretty simple fix with these two guys. And, you know, if you bring up Kyle Stowers, you DFA Brett Phillips. I mean, he's 2 for 11 as an Oriole, has a 42 WRC plus this season between his struggles with the Rays and the O's. You just replace him with Stowers, you still have your defensive replacement pinch runner, fourth outfielder in Ryan McKenna on the team. So you call those two guys up. You know, you have Mullins in center and Hayes in left. You play Stowers in right field. Santander is your DH, put Henderson at third, Mateo at short, Orias at second with Mountcastle at first and Adley catching. And then you get, you know, Odor and McKenna and you get Taron Vavra, you know, in there against righties. Maybe Orias plays against lefties. You know, you can play Vavra over Henderson sometimes as well with Odor getting some time off the bench. And you got a pretty good looking team for a playoff stretch. I just think, you know, and I get, you know, both guys could struggle coming up. Now, Kyle Stowers, has already had two big league games when he replaced the then unvaccinated Anthony Santander the first time the Orioles went to Toronto. Already picked up his first big league hit. Already got some of the you know the jitters out with those two out of four games that he appeared in in Toronto. So that helps Stowers. I think it's a no-brainer you call up Stowers, especially if you're sending Brett Phillips out there in the lineup right now. But the Orioles really need a big power-hitting left-handed bat. They just don't have that in their lineup right now. And you need that with the wall move back at Camden Yards. Your righties aren't going to hit as many homers. The lefties are going to be the ones who feast. Kyle Stowers is going to feast when he gets to Camden Yards. It's time. And maybe you call up Stowers before you do Henderson. But I'd call up Stowers today. Maybe you wait another week. And then you call up Gunnar Henderson. And it's go time for the Orioles 
in this wildcard race because Stowers and Henderson make your team better than having Nevin or Odor or Phillips on this team. It's plain and simple. It doesn't even matter if they struggle early as rookies or if their defense isn't gold glove level yet. They are good players who are helping the Orioles win. I don't care about the service time. We're not manipulating service time out here. What? You cheering for manipulating service time? What are you doing? That's a horrible way to talk about to treat minor leaguers. Get them to the big leagues. Get your best players to the big leagues and let's go. It's time to see these two guys help the Orioles in a playoff stretch. Man, wouldn't it be fun to see these two top prospects in that Oriole lineup in September and potentially October. And hey, you know, people saying, oh, they don't need to come up this year. Start them fresh in 2023. Well, if you're scared about that little hitch they're going to hit when they first get to the big leagues, maybe get out of the way at the end of this year. Maybe have them learn on the fly this year. Think how advanced they'll be by opening day next year when they're ready to go as well. There's just so many pluses to doing this. Bring these guys up and let's go. Let's go for it. If you're not going to go for it by adding at the trade deadline, fine. Go for it with your young guys. Bring them up. Start the clock. Let's go. It's time to get Henderson and Stowers in the big leagues. All they can do is help this team and help themselves and help the Orioles, not just now, but down the line by getting them to the big leagues. But we still await the Orioles to make those roster moves. However, they did make a couple of roster moves on Monday anyway. Now, they didn't involve Gunnar Henderson or Kyle Stowers, but they did revolve a former, you know, somewhat highly rated prospect, and they involved a swap in the bullpen. We'll get to those two moves coming up in just a second. But first, let's talk about betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all your sports betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And you can find reviews and news of every league, including, of course, you know, we're, we're getting down the playoff stretch in the Major League Baseball season, but you also got the NFL season coming up, college football, NBA, and the NHL after that. And there's combat sports, esports, and golf every weekend. You can get the lines on, you can do live in-game betting, you can get the scores, you can get injury info, you can listen to podcasts. They have you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at Bet Online, where the game starts. So we're talking Orioles here and potential roster moves that they should make, but there were a couple roster moves that they did make on Monday. And let's start with the one that, well, didn't get reported until a claim happened. As it turns out, a couple of days ago, the Orioles outrighted slash DFA'd Ryland Bannon off the 40-man roster. Now, of course, Bannon was one of the five players who the Orioles got back from the Dodgers in the Manny Machado trade at the deadline in 2018. And just never really materialized into what the Orioles wanted him to be. And it turns out, Bannon, well, he was claimed off waivers on Monday by the Los Angeles Dodgers. The team that drafted him and the team that traded him to Baltimore for Machado gets him back. And that's after the Dodgers already have Hanser Alberto, also signed Jemai Jones to a minor league deal after the Orioles released him earlier this season. And now they have claimed Ryland Bannon as well, just putting a market on Orioles' rebuild infielders. But Ryland Bannon, you know, we saw him briefly. He made his major league debut this year with the Orioles, played in four games, went two for 15 with a couple of singles, five Ks and a hit by pitch. And his AAA stats were okay, but just not what you were looking for. And 326 plate appearances with the Tides this year, just a 229 average, 347 on base, 407 slugging with 11 homers. 
just a 105 WRC plus. I mean, he was just a, a little better than average AAA hitter. And with all the infielders, you know, coming up soon, Vavra already here. We talked about Henderson. Jordan Westberg is there. Guys like Kobe Mayo and Joey Ortiz coming right behind him. And Connor Norby as well, who's got 16 home runs now and then crushing it at AA. Ryland Bannon just got pushed out. And, you know, I wish him all the best back with the Dodgers, but it just did not work out for Bannon. It stinks that, you know, the Orioles lost another piece of that Machado trade, which just looks worse and worse as time goes on. Dean Kramer, really the only guy left standing, it seems. But Bannon, we wish him all the best with the Dodgers. You could see the writing on the wall this year. Just, you know, he got his small chance in the big leagues. It just was not going to happen with Ryland Bannon and the Orioles. He had been passed over by so many better infield prospects. But, the Orioles Major League-wise also did make a move in the bullpen on Monday, and it was one most of us saw coming, as Bo Salser was sent down to AAA after he pitched in long relief mop-up duty in the 8-1 loss to the Pirates on Sunday, had also pitched in mop-up duty last Saturday in the loss to the Reds, and Salser gets sent down, mostly because he has options, he pitched a lot Sunday, he won a fresh arm. But the Orioles called up somebody who, whenever he gets into a game, is going to make his Orioles debut. And they called up the right-hander, Lewis Head, who, if you remember, about a month and change ago, the Orioles claimed Head off waivers from the Marlins. Now, Lewis Head, who I did an episode on about a month ago, if you want to go back and listen to that one, you can find it on your podcast feed, find it on the YouTube channel as well. But Head, who, you know, had a very roller coaster season with the Marlins before they DFA'd him. Now, He had made 23 appearances, 23 and two-thirds innings pitched with the Marlins this year, and had a 7.23 ERA, but a 4.59 FIP shows that he pitched better than his ERA. About 9 Ks and and 4 walks per 9. It wasn't super pretty, but it was a very weird season that started off red hot. His first 10 appearances were scoreless, and 14 of Lewis Head's first 15 appearances with the Marlins this year, he put up a zero. He was a really good piece in their bullpen in April and May. And then June came, and he fell off a cliff. And he was absolutely downright horrendous in the month of June before the Marlins DFA'd him at the end of June, and the Orioles claimed. And now he had options, so the Orioles sent him to AAA Norfolk. And in seven appearances out of the Tides' bullpen, pitched eight innings, allowed three runs on four hits, 12 strikeouts, good. Seven walks, not so good. But he comes up, and you know he's got uh, some an interesting pick, pitch mix that the Orioles like. He won't get any high leverage spots, but you know we'll probably see him pitch at least once with the O's, I would think, before he gets sent back down. And the thing is, you know, Lewis had made his major league debut with the Tampa Bay Rays last year, and he was great. 35 innings, had a 2.31 ERA in the Rays bullpen in 2021. So there's certainly something in there for Lewis Head. Certainly, obviously, it's something that the Orioles saw to claim him off waivers. And uh, whenever he appears, will be his Orioles debut. But again... Probably not going to be in the highest leverage of spots. But that'll do it for today. We'll see if Lewis Head will uh, make his debut in tonight's game. Game two between the Orioles and the Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The O's can go for the series win in this one as Baltimore, after getting a good start from Jordan Lyles, a little bit of shakiness from the bullpen. Pitching-wise, they will send Kyle Bradish back to the hill, who's looked better and better off the injured list, and he will go up against the Blue Jays' ace. Alec Manoa will go to the hill. Had a great year this year, 2.45 ERA. You saw him star in the All-Star game. Be a big one tonight, 7.05 Orioles and Blue Jays. And then I'll be back with you 
Here on the pod tomorrow, of course, we'll recap game two between Baltimore and Toronto, get you the five things you need to know from that one. And we will continue talking Orioles here on the pod. Specifically tomorrow, we're going to take a look at how the Orioles match up with not just the Toronto Blue Jays team, but all of the wildcard teams around them, the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Mariners, the Guardians, the Red Sox, and the White Sox. Where do the Orioles fall in, starting pitching-wise, hitting-wise, bullpen-wise, defense-wise, and we'll match them up to try and predict how things could go down the stretch in this wildcard race. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.